0: First part of chapter 2 of mutual aid a factor of evolution this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by enko mutual aid a factor of evolution by peter kropotkin first part of chapter 2 mutual aid among animals open bracket continued close bracket as soon as spring comes back to the temperate zone, myriads and myriads of birds, which are scattered over the warmer regions of the south, come together in numberless bands, and full of vigour and joy, hasten northwards to rear their offspring. Each of our hedges, each grove, each ocean cliff, and each of the lakes and ponds with which Northern America, Northern Europe and Northern Asia are dotted tell us at that time of the year the tale of what mutual aid means for the birds, what force, energy and protection it confers to every living being, however feeble and defenseless it otherwise might be. Take for instance one of the numberless lakes of the Russian and Siberian steppes, its shores are peopled with myriads of aquatic birds, belonging to at least a score of different species, all living in perfect peace, all protecting one another. For several hundred yards from the shore, the air is filled with gulls and terns, as with snowflakes on a winter day. Thousands of plovers and sandcoursers run over the beach, searching their food, whistling and simply enjoying life. Further on, on almost each wave, a duck is rocking, while higher up you notice the flocks of the Kazaki ducks, Exuberant life storms everywhere. Open footnote Sivitsov's periodical phenomena page two hundred and fifty one. Close footnote. And here are the robbers, the strongest, the most cunning ones, those ideally organized for robbery, and you hear their hungry, angry, dismal cries as for hours in succession they watch the opportunity of snatching from this mass of living beings one single unprotected individual but as soon as they approach their presence is signalled by dozens of voluntary sentries and hundreds of girls and turns set to chase the robber maddened by hunger the robber soon abandons his usual precautions he suddenly dashes into the living mass, but attacked from all sides, he again is compelled to retreat. From sheer despair he falls upon the wild ducks, but the intelligent social birds rapidly gather in a flock and fly away. If the rubber is an urn, they plunge into the lake if it is a falcon or they raise a cloud of water dust and be wild over a ascient if it is a kite. Open footnote fait, quoted by Brem fourth, seven hundred and sixty. And while life continues to swarm on the lake, the rubber flies away with cries of anger and looks out for Koryan, or for a young bird or a field mouse, not yet used to obey in time the warnings of its comrades. In the face of an exuberant life, the ideally home rubber must be satisfied with the offfall of that life further north in the arctic archipelagos you may sail along the coast for many miles and see all the ledges all the cliffs and corners of the mountain sides up to a height of from two to five hundred feet literally covered with seabirds whose white breasts show against the dark rocks as if the rocks were closely sprinkled with chalk specks the anya and e. is so to say full with fowls open footnote the arctic villages of ae nordens Jork, london 1879 page 135, see also the powerful description of the St. Kilda Islands by Mr. Dixon, open bracket quoted by Sibom, close bracket and nearly all books of Arctic travel, close footnote. Each of such bird mountains is a living illustration of mutual aid as well as of the infinite variety of characters, individual and specific resulting from social life. The oyster catcher is renowned for its readiness to attack the birds of prey. The botch is known for its watchfulness, and it easily becomes the leader of more placid birds. The turnstone, when surrounded by comrades belonging to more energetic species, is a rather timorous bird, but it undertakes to keep watch for the security of the commonwealth when surrounded by smaller birds. Here you have the dominative swans. They are the extremely sociable, kitty girls, among whom carols are raw and short, the prepossessing polar gilmots, which continually caress each other, the egoist Shigoose, who has repudiated the orphans of a killed comrade, and by her side another female who adopts anyone's orphans, and now paddles surrounded by fifty or sixty youngsters whom she conducts and cares for as if they all were her own breed. Side by side with the penguins, which steal one another's eggs, you have a dutrels, whose family relations are so charming and touching, but even passionate hunters recall from shooting a female surrounded by her young ones, over Ada ducks among which, open bracket, like the velvet ducks, over cororeas of the savannahs, close bracket, several females hatched together in the same nest, over lumps which sit in turn upon a common covey Nature is a variety itself, offering all possible varieties of characters, from the basest to the highest, and that is why she cannot be depicted by any sweeping assertion. Still less can she be judged from the moralist' point of view because the views of the moralists of themselves are themselves a result mostly unconscious of the observation of nature coming together at nesting time is so common with most birds that more examples are scarcely needed. Our trees are crowned with groups of crows nests. Our hedges are full of nests of smaller birds, our farmhouses give shelter to colonies of swallows, our old towers are a refuge of hundreds of nocturnal birds, and pages might be filled with the most charming descriptions of the peace and harmony which prevail in almost all these nesting associations. As to the protection derived by the weakest birds from their unions, it is evident. That excellent observer doctor Quest saw for instance the little cliff swallows nesting in the immediate neighborhood of a prairie falcon open bracket falco polygus close bracket. The falcon had its nest on the top of one of the minarets of clay which are so common in the canons of Colorado, while a colony of swallows nested just beneath. The little peaceful birds had no fear of a rapacious neighbour. They never let it approach to the colony. They immediately surrounded it and chased it so that it had to make off at once. Open footnote Elliot Quest in built in US Geological Survey of Territories fourth number seven page five hundred and fifty six, five hundred and seventy nine, etc. Among the girls open bracket, or Gentatus, close argentatus Polyakov saw on a march in northern Russia that the nesting grounds of a very great number of these birds were always patrolled by one male, which warned the colony of the approach of danger. All birds rose in such case and attacked the enemy with great vigor. The females, which had five or six nests together on each knoll of the march, kept a certain order in leaving their nests in search of food. The fledgings, which otherwise are extremely unprotected and easily become the prey of the rapacious birds, were never left alone Open bracket, family habits among the aquatic birds in proceedings of the zoological section of St. Petersburg, Society of Nature, December seventeenth, eighteen 1874 Close bracket. Close footnote. Life in societies does not cease when the nesting period is over. It begins then in a new form. The young birds gather in societies of youngsters, generally including several species. Social life is practised at that time chiefly for its own sake, partly for security but chiefly for the pleasures derived from it. So we see in our forest the societies formed by the young Nutchers. Open bracket bracket, together with titmouses, chaffinches, chaffinchers, wrens, tree creepers or some woodpeckers. footnote Fatter, quoted by Abraham fourth thirty four sequence. See also White's natural history of Selborne Letter eleventh. Close in Spain, the swallow is met with in company with kestrels, flycatchers, and even pigeons. In the far west of America, the young horned larks live in large societies together with another lark, sprags, close bracket, the sky lock, savannah sparrow and several species of buntings and longspurs. open footnote dr quest birds of dakota and montana in built-in u.s survey of territories fourth number seven close footnote in fact it would be much easier to describe the species which live isolated than to simply name those species which join the autumnal societies of young birds not for hunting or nesting purposes but simply to enjoy life in society and to spend their time in pleasant and sports after having given a few hours every day to find their daily food and finally, we have that immense display of mutual aid among birds, their migrations, which I dare not even enter upon in this place. Sufficient to say that birds which have lived for months in small bands scattered over a wide territory gather in thousands. They come together at a given place for several days in succession before they start, and they evidently discuss the particulars of the journey. Some species will indulge every afternoon in flights preparatory to the long passage all wait for their thorny congeners, and finally they start in a certain well-chosen direction, a fruit of accumulated collective experience, the strongest flying at the head of a band and relieving one another in that difficult task. They cross the seas in large bands consisting of both big and small birds, and when they return next spring they repair to the same spot, and in most cases each of them takes possession of the very nest which it had built or repaired the previous year. Open footnote. It has often been intimated that larger birds may occasionally transport some of the smaller birds when they cross together the Mediterranean, but the fact still remains doubtful. On the other side, it is certain that some smaller birds join the bigger ones for migration. The fact has been noticed several times, and it was recently confirmed by Helbuksbom at Ronheim. He saw several parties of cranes which had locks flying in the midst and on both sides of their migratory columns. Open bracket zoologist eighteen eighty six page one hundred and thirty three close bracket close footnote this subject is so vast and yet so imperfectly studied it offers so many striking illustrations of mutual aid habits subsidiary to the main fact of migration, each of which would however require a special study that I must refrain from entering here into more details. I can only cursorily refer to the numerous and animated gatherings of birds which take place always on the same spot before they begin. Their long journeys, north or south, as always, those which one sees in the north after the birds have arrived at their breeding places on the Yenisei or in the northern counties of England, for many days in succession, sometimes one month, they will come together every morning for one hour before flying in search of food, perhaps discussing the spot where they are going to build their nest. Open footnote. H. Sibom and C. H. Dixon. Both mention this habit close footnote. and if during the migration their columns are overtaken by a storm birds of the most different species will be brought together by common misfortune the birds which are not exactly migratory but slowly move northwards and southwards with the seasons also perform these peregrinations in flocks so far from migrating isolately in order to secure for each separate individual the advantages of better food or shelter which are to be found in another district, they always wait for each other and gather in flocks before they move north or south in accordance with the season. Open footnote. The fact is well known to every field naturalist, and with reference to England, several examples may be found in Charles Dixon's Among the Birds in Northern Shires. The Chaffinchers arrive during winter in those flocks, and about the same time that is in November come flocks of bramblings red wings also frequent the same places in similar large companies, and so on Open bracket pages one hundred and sixty five one hundred and sixty six Close, bracket. close footnote. going now over to mammals the first thing which strikes us is the overwhelming numerical predominance of social species over those few carnivores which do not associate the plateaus the alpine tracts and the steppes of the old and new world are stocked with hordes of deer antelopes gazelles fallow deer buffaloes wild goats and sheep all of which are sociable animals when the europeans came to settle in america they found it so densely peopled with buffaloes that pioneers had to stop their advance when a column of migrating buffaloes came to cross the route they followed the march past of the dense column lasting sometimes for two and three days and when the russians took possession of siberia we found it so densely peopled with deer antelopes and other sociable animals, but the very conquest of Siberia was nothing but a hunting expedition, which lasted for 200 years, while the gross plains of eastern Africa are still covered with hordes composed of zebra, the hartebeest, and other antelopes. Not long ago, the small streams of northern America and northern Siberia were peopled with colonies of beavers and up to the 17th century-like colonies swarmed in northern Russia. The flatlands of the four great continents are still covered with countless colonies of mice, ground squirrels, marmots, and other rodents. In the lower latitudes of Asia and Africa, the forests are still the abode of numerous families of elephants, rhinoceroses, and numberless societies of monkeys. In the far north, the reindeer aggregate in numberless herds. While still further north, we find the hordes of the musk oxen and numberless bands of polar foxes. The coasts of the ocean are enlivened by flocks of seals and mosses, its waters by shores of sociable cetaceans. and even in the depths of the Great Plateau of Central Asia, we find hordes of wild horses, wild donkeys, wild camels and wild sheep. All these mammals live in societies and nations, sometimes numbering hundreds of thousands of individuals, although now, after three centuries of gunpowder civilization, we find but the debris of the immense aggregations of old, how trifling in comparison with them are the numbers of the carnivores, and how false therefore is the view of those who speak of the animal world, as if nothing were to be seen in it but lions and hyenas, plunging their bleeding teeth into the flesh of their victims, one might as well imagine that the whole of human life is nothing but a succession of war massacres association and mutual aid are the rule with mammals. We find social habits even among the carnivores, and we can only name the cat tribe open bracket, lions, tigers, leopards, etc close bracket. as a division, the members of which decidedly prefer isolation to society and are but seldom met with even in small groups. And yet even among lions, this is a very common practice to hunt in company. Open footnote SW Baker Wild Beats etc Volume first page three hundred and sixteen close footnote. The two tribes of the civets open bracket vive ridea, close bracket and the weasels open bracket close bracket might, all, might also be characterized by their isolated life, but it is a fact that during the last century the common weasel was more sociable than it is now. It was seen then in larger groups in Scotland and in the Unterwalden Canton of Switzerland. As to the great tribe of the dogs, it is eminently sociable and association for hunting purposes may be considered as eminently characteristic of its numerous species. It is well-known, in fact, that wolves gather in packs for hunting and Tuesday left an excellent description of how they draw up in a half-circle, surround a cow which is grazing on a mountain slope and then suddenly appearing with a loud barking, make it roll in the abyss. Open footnote the Alpen Alpenwald, page four hundred and four, close footnote. Audubon in the thirties also saw the Labrador wolves hunting in packs, and one pack following a man to his cabin and killing the dogs. During severe winters, the packs of wolves grow so numerous as to become a danger for human settlements, as was the case in France some five-and-forty years ago. In the Russian steps they never attack the horses otherwise than in packs, and yet they have to sustain bitter fights during which the horses, open bracket, according to Cole's testimony, close bracket, sometimes assume offensive warfare and in such cases if the wolves do not retreat promptly, they run the risk of being surrounded by the horses and killed by their hoofs. The prairie the prairie wolves open bracket canis Latrans close bracket are known to associate in bands of from 20 to 30 individuals when they chase a buffalo occasionally separated from its horde. Second, 463. Close footnote. Jackals, which are most courageous and may be considered as one of the most intelligent representatives of the dog tribe, always hunt in packs. Thus united, they have no fear of the bigger carnivores. Open footnote. For their hunting associations, C. I. T. N. S. Natural History of Ceylon, quoted in Romanes, Animal Intelligence, page 432. Close footnote. As to the wild dogs of Asia, open bracket. The colzons or dolls Bracket Williamson saw their large packs attacking all larger animals save elephants and rhinoceroses, and overpowering bears and tigers. Hyenas always live in societies and hunt in packs, and the hunting organizations of the painted decarons are highly praised by coming. Nay, even foxes, which as a rule live isolated in our civilized countries have been seen combining for hunting purposes. Open footnote. See Emil Hutter's letter in El close footnote. As to the polar fox, it is, or rather was in Steller's time, one of the most sociable animals. And when one reads Steller's description of the war that was waged by Bering's unfortunate crew against these intelligent small animals, one does not know what to wonder at most—the extraordinary intelligence of the foxes and the mutual aid they displayed in digging out food concealed under chaos or stored upon a pillar Open bracket, one fox will climb on its top and throw the food to its comrades beneath Close bracket of the cruelty of men driven to despair by the numerous packs of foxes. Even some bears live in societies where they are not disturbed by men. Thus, saw the black bear of Kamchatka in numerous packs and the polar bears are occasionally found in small groups. Even the unintelligent insectivores do not always disdain association. However, it is especially with the rodents, the ungulata and the ruminants that we find a highly developed practice of mutual aid. The squirrels are individualists to a great extent. Each of them builds its own comfortableness and accumulates its own provision. Their inclination towards family life and Brem found that a family of squirrels is never so happy as when the two broods of the same year can join together with their parents in in a remote corner of a forest. And yet they maintain social relations. The inhabitants of a separate nest remain in a close intercourse and when the pine cones become rare in the forest they inhabit, they emigrate in bands. As to the black squirrels of the forest, west, they are eminently sociable. Apart from the few hours given every day to foraging, they spend their lives in playing in numerous parties and when they multiply too rapidly in a region they assemble in bands almost as numerous as those of locusts and move southwards devastating the forests the fields and the gardens while foxes pull cats, falcons and nocturnal birds of prey follow their thick columns and leave upon the individuals remaining behind. The ground squirrel, closely ingenious, is still more sociable. It is given to hoarding and stores up in its subterranean holes large amounts of edible roots and nuts, usually plundered by men in the autumn. According to some observers, it must know something of the joys of a miser, and yet it remains sociable. It always lives in large villages and Audubon who opened some dwellings of a haki in the winter found several individuals in the same apartment. They must have stored it with common efforts. The large tribe of the mormoth, which includes the three large genuses of Octomies, and spermophilus is still more sociable and still more intelligent. They also prefer having each one its own dwelling, but they live in big villages. That terrible enemy of the crops of South Russia, the Suslik, of which some 10 millions are exterminated every year by men alone, lives in numberless colonies. And while the Russian provincial assemblies gravely discuss the means of getting rid of this enemy of society, it engines life in its thousands in the most joyful way. Their play is so charming that no observer could refrain paying them a tribute of praise and from mentioning the melodious concerts arising from the sharp whistlings of the males and the melancholic whistlings of the females before suddenly returning to his citizen's duties he begins inventing the most diabolic means for the extermination of the little robbers all kinds of rapacious birds and beasts of prey having proved powerless the last word of science in this warfare is the inoculation of cholera the villages of the prairie dogs in america are one of the loveliest sites as far as the eye can embrace the prairie it sees heaps of earth and on each of them a prairie dog stands engaged in a lively conversation with its neighbors by means of short barkings. as soon as the approach of men is signal all plunging a moment into their dwellings all have disappeared as by enchantment but if the danger is over the little creatures soon reappear whole families come out of their galleries and indulge in play the young ones scratch one another they worry one another and display their gracefulness while standing upright and in the meantime the old ones keep watch they go visiting one another and the beaten footpaths which connect all their heaps testify to the frequency of their visitations in short the best naturalists have written some of their best pages in describing the associations of the prairie ducks of america the marmots of the old world and the polar marmots of the alpine regions and yet i must make as regards the marmots the same remark as i have made when speaking of the bees they have maintained their fighting instincts and these instincts reappear in captivity But in their big associations, in the face of free nature, the unsociable instincts have no opportunity to develop and the general result is peace and harmony. Even such harsh animals, as the rats, which continually fight in our cellars, are sufficiently intelligent not to quarrel when they plunder our larders, but to aid one another in their plundering expeditions and migrations, and even to feed their invalids. As to the beaver rats or musk rats of Canada, they are extremely sociable. Audubon could not but admire their peaceful communities, which require only being left in peace to enjoy happiness. Like all sociable animals, they are lively and playful, they easily combine with other species and they have attained a very high degree of intellectual development. In their villages, always disposed on the shores of lakes and rivers, they take into account the changing level of water, their dome-shaped houses, which are built of beaten clay interwoven with reeds, have separate corners for organic refuse, and their holes are well carpeted at winter time, they are warm and nevertheless well ventilated. As to the beavers, which are endowed, as known with the most sympathetic character, the astounding dams and villages in which generations live and die without knowing of any enemies but the otter and men so wonderfully illustrate what mutual aid can achieve for the security of the species and the evolution of intelligence that they are familiar to all interested in animal life. Let me only remark that with the beavers, the muskrats and some other rodents, we already find the feature which will also be distinctive of human communities, that is working common. I pause in silence for two large families which include the Dziabua, the Chinchilla, the Biscacha and the Czyszcan or underground hare of South Russia, though all these small rodents might be taken as excellent illustrations of the pleasures derived by animals from social life. Open footnote. With regard to the Viscatcher, it is very interesting to note that these highly sociable little animals not only live visibly together in each village, but that whole villages visit each other at nights. Sociability is thus extended to the whole species, not only to a given society or to a nation as we saw it with the ants. When the former destroys a viscacha burrow and buries the inhabitants under a heap of earth, other viscachas, we are told by Hudson, come from a distance to dig out those that are buried alive. Bracket LC page Close bracket. This is a widely known fact in La Plata, verified by the author. Close footnote. Precisely the pleasures, because it is extremely difficult to say what brings animals together, the needs of mutual protection, or simply the pleasure of feeling surrounded by their continuous at any rate our common hares which do not gather in societies for life in common and which are not even endowed with intense parental feelings cannot live without coming together for play Dietrich de Winkle who is considered to be among the best acquainted with the habits of hares describes them as passionate players becoming so intoxicated by their plaything that a hare has been known to take an approaching fox for a playmate open footnote. handbook for jugger und jack b Rettiger, quoted by Bram second 223 close footnote as to the rabbit it lives in societies and its family life is entirely built upon the image of the old patriarchal family the young ones being kept in absolute obedience to the father and even the grandfather open footnote buffon's Histoire Naturelle. close footnote and here we have the example of two very closely allied species which cannot bear each other not because they live Upon nearly the same food as like cases or too often explained, but most probably because the passionate, eminently individualist hare cannot make friends with that placid quiet and submissive creature the rabbit. Their tempers are too widely different not to, be an, not to be an obstacle to friendship. Life in societies is again the rule with a large family of horses, which includes the wild horses and donkeys of Asia, the zebras, the mustangs, the cimarron of the pampas, and the half-wild horses of Mongolia and Siberia. They all live in numerous associations, made up of many studs, each of which consists of a number of males under the leadership of a male. These numberless inhabitants of the old and the New World, badly organized on the whole for resisting both their numerous enemies and the adverse conditions of climate, would soon have disappeared from the surface of the earth were it not for their sociable spirit. When a beast of prey approaches them, several studs unite at once, they repel the beast and sometimes chase it, and neither the wolf nor the bear, not even the lion, can capture a horse or even a zebra as long as they are not detached from the horde. When a drought is burning the grass in the prairies, we gather in hordes of sometimes 10,000 individuals strong and migrate and when a snowstorm reaches in the steppes, each stud keeps close together and repairs the protected ravine. But if confidence disappears, or group has been seized by panic and disperses, the horses perish and the survivors are found after the storm, half dying from fatigue. Union is the chief arm in the struggle for life, and man is the chief enemy. Before his increasing numbers, the ancestors of our domestic horse, open bracket, the equis so named by Polyakov, close bracket, have preferred to retire to the wildest and least accessible plateaus on the outskirts of Tibet, where they continue to live surrounded by carnivores under a climate as bad as that of the Arctic regions, but in a region inaccessible to men Open footnote. In connection with the horses, it is worthy of notice that the quagga zebra, which never comes together with a doe zebra, nevertheless lives on excellent terms, not only with ostriches which are very good sentries, but also with gazelles, several species of antelopes and noose. We thus have a case of mutual dislike between the quagga and the doe which cannot be explained by competition for food. The fact that the quagga lives together with ruminous feeding on the same grass as itself exclude that hare hypothesis and we must look for some incompatibility of character, as in the case of the hare and the rabbit. CF among others Clive phillips Olays Big Game Shooting open Bracket Badminton Library close bracket, which contains excellent illustrations of various species living together in East Africa Footnote. Many striking illustrations of social life could be taken from the life of the reindeer, and especially of that large division of ruminants, which might include the roebucks, the deer, the antelopes, the gazelles, the ibex, and in fact, the whole of the three numerous families of the antelopids, the capris, and the ovids. The watchfulness over the safety of their hordes against attacks of carnivores, the anxiety displayed by all individuals in a horde of charmer as long as all of them have not cleared a difficult passage over rocky cliffs, the adoption of orphans, the despair of a gazelle whose mate or even comrade of the same sex has been killed, the place of youngsters and many other features could be mentioned but perhaps the most striking illustration of mutual support is given by the occasional migrations of faludia, such as i saw once on the amour when i crossed the high plateau and its border reached the great king on my way from Transbaikalia to Mergen and further travelled over the high prairies on my way to the Amdu. I could ascertain how thinly people with fallow deer these mostly uninhabited regions are. Open footnote. Our Tungus hunter who was going to marry and therefore was prompted by the desire of getting as many furs as he possibly could was beating the hillsides all day long on horseback in search of deer. His efforts were not rewarded by even so much as one fallow deer killed every day and he was an excellent hunter footnote two years later i was travelling up the amur and by the end of october reached the lower end of that picturesque gorge which the amur purses in the dus Alin, open bracket, Little Kingan, close Bracket before it enters the lowlands where it joins the Sungari, i found the cossacks in the villages of that gorge in the greatest excitement because thousands and thousands of faludils were crossing the amur where it is in order to reach the Lowlands. For several days in succession, upon a length of some forty miles of the river, the Cossacks were butchering the deer as they crossed the Amur, in which already floated a good deal of ice. Thousands were killed every day, and the exodus nevertheless continued. Like migrations were never seen either before or since, and this one must have been called for by an early and heavy snowfall in the Great Kingan, which compelled the deer to make a desperate attempt at reaching the Lowlands in the east of the Dus Mountains. Indeed, a few days later, the Dusaline was also buried up under snow 2 or 3 feet deep. Now when one imagines the immense territory, open bracket, almost as big as Great Britain, Bracket from which the scattered groups of deer must have gathered for a migration which was undertaken under the pressure of exceptional circumstances and realizes the difficulties which had to be overcome before all the deer came to the common idea of crossing the amur further south where it is narrowest one cannot but deeply admire the amount of sociability displayed by these intelligent animals If we remember that the buffaloes of North America displayed the same powers of combination, one saw them grazing in great numbers in the plains, but these numbers were made up by an infinity of small groups which never mixed together, and yet when necessity arose, all groups however scattered over an immense territory, came together and made up those immense columns, numbering hundreds of thousands of individuals which I mentioned on a preceding page. I also ought to say a few words at least about the compound families of the elephants, their mutual attachment, their deliberate ways in posting sentries, and the feelings of sympathy developed by such a life of close mutual support. Open footnote. According to Samuel W. Baker, elephants combine in larger groups among the compound family. I have frequently observed, he wrote, in the portion of Ceylon, known as the pork country, the tracks of elephants in great numbers, which have evidently been considerable herds, that have joined together in a general retreat from a ground which they considered insecure, Open bracket, wild beasts and their ways. Page one hundred and two close bracket close footnote. I might mention the sociable feelings of those disreputable creatures, the wild boars and find a word of praise for their powers of association in the case of an attack by a beast of prey. Open footnote Pigs attacked by wolves do the same. Open bracket Hudson LC. Close bracket, close the hippopotamus and the rhinoceros too would occupy a place in a work devoted to animal sociability. Several striking pages might be given to the sociability and mutual attachment of the seals and the walruses, and finally one might mention the most excellent feelings existing among among the sociable cetaceans. But I have to say yet a few words about the societies of monkeys, which acquire an additional interest from being the link which will bring us to the society. Of primitive men, it is hardly needful to say that those mammals which stand at the very top of the animal world and most approach men by their structure and intelligence are eminently sociable. Evidently, we must be prepared to meet with all varieties of character and habits in so great a division of the animal kingdom, which includes hundreds of species. But all things considered. Must be said that sociability, action in common, mutual protection, and a high development of those feelings which are the necessary outcome of social life are characteristic of most monkeys and apes. From the smallest species to the biggest ones, sociability is a rule to which we know but a few exceptions. The nocturnal apes prefer isolated life. The capuchins Open bracket, Cebus capucinus, close bracket, the monos and the howling monkeys live but in small families, and the orangutans have never been seen by A. or Wallace otherwise than either solitary or in very small groups of three or four individuals, while the gorillas seem never to join in bands. But all the remainder of the monkey tribe, the chimpanzees, the saddues, the sakis, the mandrills, the baboons, and so on, are sociable in the highest degree. They live in great bands and even join with other species than their own, most of them become quite unhappy when solitary. The cries of distress of each one of the band immediately bring together the whole of the band, and they boldly repulse the attacks of most carnivores and birds of prey. Even eagles do not dare attack them. They plunder our fields always in bands, but all once taking care for the safety of the Commonwealth. The little titties, whose childish sweet faces so much so humbles embrace and protect one another when it rains rolling their tails over the necks of their shivering comrades several species display the greatest solicitude for their wounded and do not abandon a wounded comrade during a retreat till they have ascertained that it is dead and that they are helpless to restore it to life First James Forbes narrated in his oriental memoirs a fact of such resistance in reclaiming from his hunting party the dead body of a female monkey that one fully understands why the witnesses of this extraordinary scene resolve never again to fire at one of the monkey race. Open footnote. Romanesque Animal Intelligence, page 472, close footnote. In some species, several individuals will combine to overturn a stone in order to search for ants' eggs under it, the Hanadrias not only post sentries, but but have been seen making a change for the transmission of a spoil to a safe place and their carriage is well known brem's description of a regular fight which his caravan had to sustain before the hamadryas would let it resume its journey in the valley of the mensa in abyssinia has become classical open footnote brem first 82 darwin's descent of men chapter third the Kozlov expedition of 1899 to 1901 have also had to sustain in northern tibet a similar fight. Close the playfulness of the tailed apes and the mutual attachment, which reigns in the families of chimpanzees, also are familiar to the general reader. And if we find among the highest apes, two species, the orangutan and the gorilla, which are not sociable, we must remember that both, limited as they are to very small areas, the one in the heart of Africa and the other in the two islands of Borneo and Sumatra, have all the appearance of being the lost remnants of formerly much more numerous species. The Gorilla at least seems to have been sociable in olden times, if the apes mentioned in the periplus really were gorillas. We thus see, even from the above brief review, that life in societies is no exception in the animal world. It is the rule, the law of nature and it reaches its fullest development with the higher vertebrates. Those species which live solitary, or in small families only, are relatively few and their numbers are limited. Nay, it appears very probable that, apart from a few exceptions, those birds and mammals, which are not gregarious now, were living in societies before men multiplied on the earth and waged a permanent war against them, or destroyed the sources from which they formerly derived food. On ne s'associe pas pour mourir was the sound remark of Espinasse, and Husser, who knew the animal world of some parts of America when it was not yet affected by men, wrote to the same effect association is found in the animal world at all degrees of evolution and according to the grand idea of herbert spencer so brilliantly developed in perrier's colony animal colonies are at the very origin of evolution in the animal kingdom but in proportion as we ascend the scale of evolution we see association growing more and more conscious it loses its purely physical character it ceases to be simply instinctive it becomes reasoned With the higher vertebrates, it is periodical, or is resorted to for the satisfaction of a given want, propagation of a species, migration, hunting, or mutual defense. It even becomes occasional when birds associate against a robber or mammals combine under the pressure of exceptional circumstances to emigrate. In this last case, it becomes a voluntary deviation from habitual moods of life. The combination sometimes appears in two or more degrees. The family first, then the group, and finally the association of groups habitually scattered but uniting in case of need as we saw it with the beisons and the ruminants it also takes higher forms guaranteeing more independence to the individual without depriving it of the benefits of social life with most rodents the individual has its own dwelling which it can retire to when it prefers being left alone but the dwellings are laid out in villages and cities so as to guarantee to all inhabitants the benefits and joys of social life and finally in several species such as As rats, mormons, hares, etc., sociable life is maintained, notwithstanding the quarrelsome or otherwise egotistic inclinations of the isolated individual. Thus, it is not imposed, as is the case with ants and bees, by the very physiological structure of the individuals. It is cultivated for the benefits of mutual aid or for the sake of its pleasures. And this, of course, appears with all possible gradations and with the greatest variety of individual and specific characters. The very variety of aspects taken by social life being a consequence and for us a further proof of its generality. Open footnote. The most strange was it to read in the previously mentioned article by Huxley the following paraphrase of a well-known sentence of Rousseau. The first man who substituted mutual peace for that of mutual war, whatever the motive which impelled them to take that step, created society. Open bracket. 19th century, February 1888, page 165. Close bracket. Society has not been created by men. It is anterior to men. Close footnote. End of the first part of chapter 2. Recording by Enko. If you would like to send me an email, you can reach me at enkobilal at yahoo.com. That's E-N-K-O-B-I-L-A-L at yahoo.com.